That was nice. <laughs> that was a uh, gentle and soft, <laughs> smooth and easy. There you go. There you go. That is such a good harm, like harmonious. You gotta start it. Gentle, gentle and soft, smooth and easy. Uh, if anyone has not seen documentary now, it's <laughs> incredible. Fred Armisen and Bill Hader, they did a mockumentary on a fictional 1970s rock band <laughs> called the Blue Jean Committee. <laughs> what are you talking about? The Blue Jean Committee is my favorite band. <laughs> um, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Review Podcast. My name is Anthony. And I'm Bree. And this is a podcast in which we review movies. And then we review movies. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, I just got a pop-up on my computer for McAfee. I've never had McAfee before. That's so weird. I don't think I have a virus on this thing. Probably it's supposed not. to stop viruses. Probably not. I think what they they have their Black Friday sale, Cyber Monday sale, and they want you to buy things. Yeah, that's 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 probably it. We're gonna assume that's it. So, um, hi, uh, yeah, we review podcasts. I'm Anthony. Oh, we already said this. I'm right. Uh, and this is a podcast in which we review uh-huh. movies. We review and, movies. Oh, did we already do yeah, that? Yeah, we did. My brain is fried uh, today. I had a long day, so. Yeah, me too. It's been It's, it's been, been a one. day. It's the first day back after our, our long Thanksgiving holiday for those time traveling with us. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. So we just had like five days off and now we're back i had more than you had i had about a week and a half you had a week and a half i had like five days and come back today very excited because i assigned a project over the break and it was to create a desert pick a desert any desert i don't care what desert it is this is like the easiest project in the world it's just sand just pick a desert (laughs) i want a picture of the desert on the outside of the box on the inside of the box i want you to decorate it with plants and animals from that desert i would just throw a bunch of sand inside of a box desert i have one student (laughs) he's i feel so bad because he's gonna receive a a pretty not good grade because he put a bunch of dinosaurs ah yes the the desert-based dinosaurs and i was like these are a bunch of dinosaurs it'd be different if it was a bunch of dinosaurs with pictures of actual animals that live in the desert over them which one student did like one student oh like, like they didn't have animal figures so they yeah. used dinosaurs yeah i'm like one student put like different animals in her display but just labeled them as an animal that was from the desert mm-hmm. i was like that's all i'm asking you to do so I was, they picked some pretty cool deserts one kid did joshua tree oh that's cool and the sand guess what the sand's made of kinetic sand no glitter Ooh, wow so it's just a box of glitter no it has glitter on the bottom (laughs) i keep coughing (coughs) man that's tough um really cool ones a kid in a different class did the arctic because technically it is a desert it is the desert Mm -hmm. and that was really cool i was like wow that's pretty cool and one kid put like a light in theirs like the kids and the parents because what we did is we read a story called Lily's Desert Project. And then I assigned them a desert project, just like the character from the book, Lily. 
So they were to do almost the exact same thing. It was, it's so easy to get 100%. I already graded like a couple and they all, the kids got 100. All you had to do, you needed a map, some decorations inside, and to label the animals and plants that are there. That's it. And it had to have some sort of 3D element to it. And then you would get like a 100%. Mm -hmm. It's very easy. Um, there's some of them are super cool. Some Others the, are stinkers. No, not oh. stinkers. I just think the one with the dinosaurs. I'm Am I like, too harsh on the first graders? Oh, yeah. Even the kid with the dinosaurs is probably going to get like at least a B. You know I mean? Well, I mean, that's innovative, right? To yeah, I mean, he didn't, but he didn't label. That's like the problem. It's like you use dinosaurs, but you didn't even label them as if they were different animals. Like part of the assignment is to like label the animals. Like if you have a giraffe, it has to be labeled giraffe. If you have a like... A camel. It has to be labeled camel. Because in Lily's Desert Project, the story, Lily used a horse, but she labeled the horse as camel so that her Desert Project had a camel in it. It's like, and I said, oh, you don't even need to like have figures. I gave them the example of you can print out a piece of paper, like piece of paper, an animal, and then put it on a toothpick and just like stick it in the box. Oh, that's easy. And a kid did that. They yeah. like they put styrofoam in the bottom, and they just stuck the toothpicks in the styrofoam. I was like, "That's all I asked for, nothing else." When, uh, God, it was last year, I think it was last year, that the English the English teacher for the freshman class they were doing Romeo and Juliet, and he asked me, he's like, "What what periods are you free? I tell him the periods I'm free. He's like, "Can you come up to my classroom?" He's like, "I want you to judge some of their projects." So I'm like, okay. And <clears throat> he's like, he's like, just, just ham it up in there, like waste time. And so, do so I go up there and it's all these kids that I also teach because I teach the freshman class too. And they are like, oh, he's, uh, you know, t he's going to judge our projects. And I went through every single one and they were like dioramas of scenes from Romeo and Juliet, but they were like, they, I guess the teacher told him you can use whatever, just make a diorama. So like some kids use like Avengers toys, some kids use like Legos, and some of them were really cool. Others were just like you put absolutely no effort <laughs> into this whatsoever. So part of it was me being like, well, "What's going on here? <laughs> just tell me what's going on here." I think the kids had a lot of fun. It was more like a. Some, something to like do like for parents to do with their kid. It was like I gave them like two weeks to do it. I assigned it the week before break. Gave them the week of break. And it was due this week. I was talking to a teacher today. Similar. Not similar I guess because it's high school. But talking to a teacher today who was asking for advice on... <clears throat> She gave uh, her English class a uh, like a write four paragraph assignment that was due. We got out on a Friday. It was due on a Sunday, but she assigned it on like a Tuesday. So the kids had like a couple days in class to work on it. And then it was due like the weekend that we got out for Thanksgiving break. And she's like. Well, a lot of the kids were emailing me, like so many kids were emailing me with excuses. My internet went out. My, um, 
one she's like a bunch of kids said that their grandma was uh, got real sick and they had to take care of him i was like i don't know i don't know how many grandmas are 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 getting sick these at days. that point i just in email, one class i just email the parent that's what i told her um i said well if it's the grandma situation email then the you want to reach out to the parent and make sure everything's okay you'd be like you know? oh i someone so said they were so they could not finish their paper because their grandma got sick i wanted to check in to see how their grandmother was doing because i was like i'm concerned mm-hmm. or what I was, yeah and then parent goes because you know that the kid's lying i know you know the and kid's lying and you want to you're going to catch him in a lie but you're not going to say you're lying you're just going to message their parent and be like oh i'm so sorry to hear about your mom i told her when it comes down to like the kids that say that they had internet issues i she she told me she like, was but how many days do you she do was have considering uh saying like i will take it as long as it was due sometime during break as long as you turned it in sometime during break if it was a week later whatever i was like i think that's a good compromise because part of me is like and i didn't tell her this but part of me was thinking like this is why i don't assign things or generally do during break it's always due after break like i gave my uh politics seniors i gave them a federalist number 78 and brutus number 15 to read and analyze and I gave them all of break to do it. I actually gave it to them before break and said, just turn it in the Monday we come back from break. And all of them turned it in. I didn't have to deal with any of the issues of, well, my computer wasn't working or I, you know, I, I was a little sad or whatever it was. <laughs> I'm a little sad. <laughs> well, no, that's what she said was a legit excuse that a kid used was I was feeling a little sad. And I understand like kids are, you know, it's a rough time these days I wanna, in, I wanna in winter like, in I Chicago. Wanna, I want to preface this with. I have been a little sad for months. <laughs> I don't know about a little sad. <laughs> I mean, I, I struggle with depression. I've been a little sad for months. I'm, I still got to do my work. I still got to do my work. Yeah, you got to power through. And, and, I, and I, I, I feel for these kids, but especially like senior kids. I'm that like, wasn't even a senior. That was a soft. She's talking about sophomores. Oh. I was like, especially like, you know, the older, you know, students in high school. Mm-hmm. It's like. Some of you got jobs. But I think, could you say this at your job? I was feeling a little sad. This, no, my seniors are great. And shout out to the seniors. We're doing American Psycho because of you. And I know. You made me watch this movie. <laughs> I'm mad at you. Don't talk to me. <laughs> um, I mean, oh my God. These kids have been... Uh, there's a small handful Don't of... Don't talk to me anymore. My, my honor or uh, AP politics students that have been like, you should do American Psycho. You should do American... I said, Brie doesn't want to watch it. She doesn't want to watch it. And then you said... I'll watch it. Okay, I'll watch we'll it. schedule it. And then I get told, I'm going to preface this with, I love him, but he makes me angry. Me? I get I get told, you judge movies too you much. You do, though. You, if you don't understand a movie within the first 10 minutes, you think it's a bad movie. And that's true. I do think it's a bad movie if I don't understand what's going on within the first 10 minutes. Within the first 10 minutes, you be, should be setting up the world around me. I should know. They are setting up I'm, the world around where you. I am. I should know what's going on. I can counter every one of these points that you're making right now. I can counter every also, one of them. Also, I have critiques of this movie. And honestly, honestly, I'm going to say it right now before we even get to the end. This does not make my list. It doesn't even make my backup list or my third backup list. It makes no list. 
Except maybe the reviewee for Stinky is. Oh, whoa. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I'm going to stop you right there. (laughs) What? Why? Oh, God. Let's just get into it. We're not done. We're not done. BSing. Yes, I am. I'm done BSing. Oh, God. I'm BSing up. <laughs> oh, it's only been 12 minutes. I have to come up with 10 more minutes of BSing. Okay. So, want to know what I had to eat no, today? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, I... What did you not like about the movie? Just um, before we even get into the meat and potatoes. I don't like how people think psychopaths I don't like how people operate. think. You know, like, I don't like when people who are sane tell us how crazy people's minds work because you don't know how a crazy person's mind works. Sane people don't know how crazy people work. Yes and no. It's sociopathy, right? It's this idea of a Patrick. There's an idea of a Patrick Bateman, right? Also, I hate you hate Christian Bale. No, I don't hate Christian Bale. Christian Bale is at your party. I hate Christian Bale on this. You're supposed to. I like. I would argue that I you're like not supposed Chris- to like him. He's I like a Christian Bale when he's what? What's his? He played Cheney. Dick Cheney. I liked him in that. In Vice. <laughs> I thought that he, was okay. Maybe even a bigger villain <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> to show you, it's not the character. It's the actor. Wait, what? It's not. It's like, I just didn't like him in this. So. It's the character, not the actor. Yeah. There, that's what I meant to yeah. say. Um, no, I think that the American Psycho is. It was in the comedy section on HBO Max. And I not a comedy. at first was like, why is this in the comedy section? But then I started to understand upon my review, because I haven't seen this movie in like uh, 10 12 years something like that because he knew it was a stinker no because it's not one of my favorite movies and i didn't feel a need to watch it again before now so i read the book when i was in high school the book is fucking weird it's a weird book it's a weird movie too but it the i the book goes a little bit more in detail on some of the things that he does and the book for a large part of its history was considered um, un, un, unadaptable you can't make it into a movie like it's too wild of a book it's too um surrealist to be a movie because a lot of the book is in Bateman's head and He's con- he's technically an unreliable narrator. You can't believe a word that this guy's saying because you don't know if he's doing it and you don't know if he's going crazy and he's not doing it and he's imagining the entire thing. But when I started to watch the movie again, I started to understand the satirical nature of the movie. And it's not funny. It's funny in the sense of like, this is some effed up, you know, like. This- He'll say effed up. But you won't say, I won't say shite. No, even though I literally just said the F word like 10 seconds ago. <laughs> this is some This up is some fucked up shit. There you go. And I'm just the wife. I can say what I want. But like you're, la- you're laughing in the sense of like, I can't believe like nobody is picking up on this guy. He's flat out telling people throughout the entire movie like, I'm going to murder you. I have, I have have an urge to be homicidal. He's flat out telling everybody in his life 
everything that he's doing in descriptive detail, but nobody is picking up on it. Nobody's paying attention. That's the satirical nature of it is we are kind of making fun of that late 1980s Wall Street lifestyle, which I asked Brie, and I'll ask you again, do you think this movie could be made today? No. Me neither. I think that the time period in which the movie takes place is very um, is very of the time. And how do I want to word this? I find this movie interesting because have you ever seen the movie Sweet Home Alabama? No. Well, Reese Witherspoon stars in Sweet Home Alabama. And one of the businessmen in the background, one of those guys, he plays the lead. In Justin Sweet- Thoreau? Is it Justin Thoreau? No. Uh. Plays the lead in Sweet Home Alabama. I'm going to Opposite it. of Reese Witherspoon. Who's also and I was, in this movie. He, yeah. And I was like, wow, Sweet Home Alabama reunion. I wonder if this came before or after Sweet Home Alabama. I'm trying to see Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, Sweet what, Home what year was Alabama. It? I don't know. When the skies are so blue. That's one of my favorite movies. God, now I got to Google it. Because I love Sweet Home Alabama because... 2002 it's around around this time i love like romance movies i wish we did more of those but anthony's like those are boring and then he gets mad at me when i say josh lucas josh oh i know josh yeah i thought i recognized that guy yes he plays one of the one of the wall street bros yeah okay yeah not too long after this movie's made um before we get... They just had chemistry, probably. Yeah. but I, I don't I, think they appeared in one scene together. No, I don't think so either. But but they I, play really good opposite of each other in Sweet Home Alabama. Is he the male lead? Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. watch it? No, not really. It's really <laughs> good. Um, they make... He makes glass stuff in there. We're in they the They were middle. married and they had to get... It's like she was still married to him and then like, like she wants to get married to somebody else so she has to go back to Alabama to get a divorce. It's a whole thing. Do they find love again? Yes. <laughs> I love. It's like it's her, I love when that happens. It's like a reminiscent of one of my favorite movies. No. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless no, Mind. No, it's nothing like that. Where he learns to love again. <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> um. Do we have anything to do with January fourteenth? Where were you? <laughs> Where were you on? <laughs> <laughs> inside joke everybody inside joke april 29th <laughs> um Does it ask january 4th i don't know that's like a I month away like, i know my brother just was text me save the date for what birthday uh, yeah oh okay my little nephew's birthday meanwhile uh, not to change meanwhile, the subject the not to change the subject we've been watching um i said i was gonna say we can't watch sweet home alabama tonight because we, we gotta are, watch wednesday we're in the middle of a also, show so i was talking with my students today on cart during carpet time we were all sitting on the carpet talking about our weekends one of the kids like i'm watching a new show miss b i was like oh what show are you watching wednesday and i said did you finish it they're like yeah and i'm like oh don't, don't spoil. T- i said don't tell me anything I, I i'm not finished and he's like did you get to the part where i'm like stop no i said stop because <laughs> I'm not finished yet. Don't. But did you get to? No. Stop. We got two episodes left. And the kids are like, you didn't finish it. I was like, what time do you think I have? I'm like, I don't go home and have no responsibilities. Like you go home. I can't binge an like, eight episode hour long episode I was like, show. You go home. You got no responsibilities. You just exist within your home. People bring food to you. Like you don't have to cook it. 
I was like, a puppy you, to take I was care like, of. you don't have a dog. You don't have a children. You don't have a podcast to run. You just go home. You do what you do. Also, I go to bed at like nine o'clock because I'm old. I got to say, though, not to change the subject or anything, since we're talking about the show, we're, we've been watching Wednesday, uh, the Adams Family show on Netflix, Tim Burton run Adams Family show. And holy crap, is this one of the best casted shows that I've seen in a long time? They really nailed it. I think every person is casted correctly. I'm like waiting for Uncle Fester to get there. I know we're not there yet. I know, and I know he's in the next episode that we're about to watch. I'm just like, they Uncle Fester! Freaking Fred, our second Fred Armisen reference in today's review podcast. Um, he plays Uncle Fester and I'm like, holy crap, that is like such a perfect casting. Luis Guzman as Gomez Adams is spot on. Spot on. And you said that uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones has was, been a fan cast for yeah. like forever. I mean, People I have wanted her to play Morticia for like forever. Mm-hmm. It is perfect. It's a perfect cast. Somebody awesome. on like, somebody on Gwendolyn Christie is amazing in it. Yeah, yeah. She said in interviews that this is the first time she's ever felt beautiful on screen. What else has she been in? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, where they dressed her as a man, like almost okay. the entire time. Well, she had short and hair. And she was in a helmet for two Star Wars movies. Yeah. <laughs> She's probably been in other stuff. It's just I haven't watched her in much. Do you think she was actually in the outfit in Star Wars? Or do you think she just voiced Captain Phasma? It's no, like the Captain Phasma pa- is huge. So pa- they- Pedro Pascal, like, do you think he's in the suit? Yeah, he's in the suit. I- is he? Yeah, he's in the suit. Okay. All right. You yeah. got, you're an actor. I'm not going to You're an deny. actor. You must act. But I but, think if he's not there, they could still do it without him. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there was that whole rumor that Pedro Pascal and and uh, Lucasfilms had a falling out and they were going to do the whole show without him and like redub the voice. It ended up not being true. Pedro Pascal loves that role. But um, what was I what was I talking about? I don't know. Uh, what, uh, go, the Adams Family. So somebody online put it a good way because the, the show is getting a lot of like critical acclaim. But it's also getting a lot of like heat because they're like, oh, they Riverdaled uh, the Adams family to an to an extent that I agree. But okay, but to I an but I raise you this: the Adams family has always been like cartoonish and goofy. no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm, like the mystery aspect, the kind of CW teenage drama stuff, like Riverdale esque. I don't care about that. Was somebody online put it in a really good way? Somebody on Reddit said this, and I thought it was a good introspective like per- perspective on the show every adams family incarnation that we've seen has been the adams family being weird in the normal world like there's been no indication that they're supernatural other than thing and uncle fester and uh cousin it and, and grandma and but it's always been oh isn't it funny to see this like really weird family interact with normal people and now the show is saying, oh, isn't it like interesting to see how uh, somebody as weird as Wednesday Adams interacts with somebody who's equally as weird as her or is actually an outcast or is at, like one of her peers? And you I know? think uh, Anthony and I have talked about this. We we had a very long conversation. Like they don't seem that, all that weird About anymore. how there are two boys who like have a crush on Wednesday in this um, show. And I was like, I think it's strange that like, both of these boys have so much like wanting to be with her and she is indifferent. 
about both of these guys. This, it's the same thing that I told you second Eternal Sunshine reference. Eternal Sun- Sunshine does this with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope where Kate Winslet, like Clementine in that movie, kind of poo-poos on the Manic Pixie Dream Girl where she says something like, every guy that I'm with thinks that I'm a concept, like I'm going to complete them, but I'm like just you know messed up on my own. And I feel like that's the same thing with this show where they they the men in the show who are like pursuing Wednesday Adams are like, oh, she's really interesting and she's different and that's why I like her. But she's just like giving them the middle finger and walking she, away. She was like, she's like, I, I don't I'm care. weird and I, I don't, don't care. care. She's yeah. like very one track mind. She reminds me of myself, which is not to say a good thing. <laughs> why why i don't know i'm just, like i worry about me oh okay i'm willing to let my friends um die by weird monster but she isn't she pr- is protective of somebody like eugene right yeah because she's she like, said eugene reminds her of her brother yeah she likes her family she doesn't <laughs> want to admit it she doesn't want to admit this is a show family. like this is why like the, Adam, the adams family or this the show is like a really good writing for the Adams family because you can make them as weird and kooky and crazy as you want to make them, but at the heart of it, this is a family that deeply loves one another. And they just show it in different ways. And that's really at the heart of like what the Adams family is, is like they're a family. They love each other. They support each other. They're just weird, you know? <laughs> they're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. Go ahead. They're all together, kooky, the Adams family. Their house is a uh, museum. Did I do it right? When people come to see them, they really are a scream. The Adams family. Hey. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we have se- we are gonna get into it. I know sufficiently BS. I know Anthony has some background info probably about this movie. Okay, yeah. So we're gonna get into American Psycho, written by an American Psycho. So the book, so the movie's based on a book written by author Brent Easton Ellis, and uh, the book was published. Oh God, in a million years ago, nineteen ninety one. And it was supposed to be a really um, dark satire on that Wall Street lifestyle and kind of how fake everybody is. Everybody puts on that facade. Everybody he puts on airs. What? <laughs> it's a SpongeBob reference. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> he put on airs. Yeah, no. Is that one where they like pinky up? Then they go to Sandy's tree. No, I know the episode. I just don't know what you're referencing. (laughs) God, she's cracking up to herself. (laughs) Okay, continue. I think she's laughing more at the fact that I didn't understand the (laughs) reference. I live in my own world. Um. Anyway, so it was a black comedy satire horror. That was supposed to be kind of this commentary on the fakeness of everybody in the late 80s. And I think it's really reminiscent. I don't know. I don't remember if the scene is in the book, but at the end of the movie, when they're all watching Ronald Reagan give a speech on Iran-Contra and they're like, do you think he's just like a like a timid old man or like a friendly old guy? Or do you think he's like a psychopath that's like putting on a, a, a facade, a mask right now? 
And Bateman's like, "Eh," because that's exactly what he does the entire time. Like everybody sees Patrick Bateman as this like loser, this dork, this like guy who couldn't do any harm to anybody. He's just one with the lifestyle. But inside, he's like a deeply unsettling and troubled person who has homicidal tendencies, you know, like deeply homicidal tendencies. But the book is published in 1991. It's very, very popular. And it's often considered a book that it was very hard to adapt, like I mentioned earlier, because a lot of it is in Patrick Bateman's head and he's an unreliable narrator and you don't know what's true and what's not true. And the movie does a really good job, I think, of leaving that up in the air of did he do it? Did he not do it? Is this all in his head? How is he affecting the people around him? things like that. But the movie is directed by um, Mary Heron uh, and stars Christian Bale, Willem Dafoe, Jared Leto, Josh Lucas, Samantha Mathis, Matt Ross. I'm reading through Wikipedia. Justin Theroux, Chloe Savigny, uh, and Reese Witherspoon. Which they, was... How much of a celebrity was Reese Witherspoon I don't think this was... This I, time. I don't think she makes her big break until Sweet Home Alabama. She's in... The Man in the Moon in 1991. She's in Cruel Intentions. She does Legally Blonde in 2001, which comes out July 13, 2001, and American Psycho comes out January 2000. So, so I think her this breakout. Is pre, this is pre Legally Blonde. Her breakout role is Legally Blonde. So yeah. um, that's before she got big. I don't know too much about like the background history i didn't read up on the imdb i know that this was kind of in development hell for a long time as like a bunch of different horror directors were trying to get their hands on this uh but then they thought it was something that you couldn't adapt uh but then they did i don't know i guess so the movie uh budget they adapted doesn't mean they did it well they did do it well you didn't read the book <laughs> read the book i have it no i'd rather not um I think it would bore me. The budget is $7 million. The box office was $34 million. So it made a decent amount of money. Um, critically, pretty okay, but became a cult following much later. Um, it could became a cult film and a meme much later. Um, I, I think p- people meme this movie because of the satire behind it. Um, the idea of like, you know that one scene where... Patrick Bateman is walking through his office blasting I'm walking on sunshine on his headphones while just like giving this very serious demeanor while walking down the hallway. <laughs> I think that is so memeable to like our generation because that is often like how we conduct ourselves in everyday work environment, which is like I just put on I just put on the show most of the time not that i'm like capable of murder but it's just like when people walk through the hallways and i have to say hi to people (laughs) you just kind of turn it on oh that's me i walked in so i get to work an hour before like school starts an hour and 15 minutes before school starts and i i walk in usually there's no one in there when i'm in there but today there was a guy who was walking how was your break oh it's great how's yours yeah that like mm -hmm. I don't care how his break was. I don't think he cares about my break. But is that like 
because I do something like that too, where it's just like pleasantries to people where my student, my students are different. Like my students, I actively talk to them and like have conversations and it's not like a facade, but there are some people that I encounter on an everyday basis where I'm just like, Oh, here we go. There are people I work with that I absolutely despise. Well, I mean, I'm I'm like the nicest person to them. So I am fake. Is it, is it sociopathy? No, but I mean, is it sociopath? Is it? Am I a sociopath? If after they leave the room, I turn to my friend and say, "Ah, freaking hate them." No, I think that's just like being a normal human being. <laughs> uh, we call my one coworker. I am in touch with humanity. We call my one coworker. We don't call her by her name. Whenever we're trying to like, we're fed up with her baloney. We say, Ugh, "Goofy Goober is getting on my nerves today." Jesus. So yeah, I came up with that nickname. I call her Goofy Goober. Because she doesn't do any of the work she's supposed to do. She read an email today that was sent out like the day before break. Wait, wait, what? So she... She responded to an email. No, she opened an email today. And she's like, oh, there was a... uh, That's why the police were at school on last week on Tuesday. I was like, you just are now reading an email from a week ago? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, some people just turn off their brains. And, and no, and I told and her, I was I like, I kind of am like that. I said, girl, he sent that out last Tuesday at eight o'clock. We were in, we were at work. We're expected to open emails from our direct supervisor at work. You're not opening your emails. Mm-hmm. You're not opening your emails every day. If I didn't open my emails, it'd be like a thousand unread emails. Do you know how many emails I get a day? So many emails. People are like email me all the time. I'm like, stop emailing me. Uh-huh. I sent out, ooh, I'm the email queen. I, I am the, in charge of our staff, Secret Santa. So I had to send out like 50 emails today. It's not fun. Okay, let's get into it. Okay. So, um, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, I think, about, about the movie and the, the character of Patrick Bateman, I think, is really fascinating in a in a very negative way um okay so american psycho 2000 starring christian bale as the american psycho patrick bateman now we open in the movie at a fancy 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 lunch with a lot of business people socialites i wrote fancy dinner rich businessmen fancy dinner with businessmen and then they start saying this one guy the one that's played by the sweet home alabama guy starts saying all this anti-semitic stuff about the jews yeah he, <laughs> and uh christian bale's character is like cool it with the cool anti-semitic with, remarks cool it with being anti-semitic guy yeah you know like oh we forgot did they say he's dating a jewish person or something like that something yeah. like that but we start getting to know Patrick Bateman and he's introduced as in this club of like these socialite businessmen who at, he might be at, a sociopath at certain points. But he's not anti-Semitic. Yeah. Get that right. And there are certain points where like I remember them saying at some point in the movie it's like I don't care. I'm not even hungry. I just want a reservation somewhere. Like I just need to have a reservation somewhere. <laughs> and it, it's this idea of like all these businessmen are so freaking fake towards one another that none of them know each other. None of them recognize one another. None of them care about one another, but they put on this facade and they put on the show like they do. And I think that's where the satirical nature of this comes from is like 
that you find that so much with some of these like upper echelon work lifestyles. You would find the same thing with tech bros today. Like the people that work in Silicon Valley that it's a different style of being like this, but you would find that they maybe just don't care or they're like turned off, you know, and they can turn it on at certain points. So we open with that. And I don't think that Bateman calling that guy out on anti-Semitism is Bateman truly being anti-Semitic. I think it's him trying to put on the show. You know what I mean? Of like, Oh, I'm in, like, I'm so in touch with everybody that like I can call out injustice when I see it. But anyway, then they go to a bar and then he, in, he insults the bartender. The bartender's like, like so I'm we, just, we, I'm um, kill you. we're not taking tickets anymore. You have to pay. She turns around. She turns around. He says some like, Horrible I, I stuff. said, he says rude shit out loud. Yeah. But the, this is the whole thing about the movie is like people just aren't noticing it or they don't care. My, my now after watching it, I'm like, I don't think he said it at all. But I do. See, I that's don't think where he, I don't think he said it at all. I think he was thinking it. And that's where the book kind of has that gray area of because is he telling the truth or is he not? If I heard that, I'd be like, what? The but I don't hell think she heard it. She was right there, and he said it loud. I don't. But you're in a club, so it's like, did she hear it? Or because we see this recurring thing that happens I don't in the movie think she's saying these where people out loud. people just aren't paying attention to him. He's flat out telling people what he's doing and they're just like brushing it off or they're laughing it off i don't think he's saying these things out loud i think that's it but i think it goes along with the commentary of they're so wrapped up in their own bullshit that they're not paying attention to patrick bateman or they don't care enough to pay attention they care only about themselves and their own like wealth and being a socialite was that one guy with the orange hair who's Pat- Patrick Bateman's having an affair with his fiance. The one that's always on the Xanax. The, the one guy, he literally sees Patrick Bateman putting a body into the back, like the trunk of a taxi cab and it's in a bag. And the guy looks at him and says, what kind of bag is that? That's such a cool bag. You know, like they're just not paying attention to this guy at all. So I feel like he is doing it. And he is saying these things. It's just people are so fake and so like wrapped up in their own thing that they're not even taking him seriously. Maybe. maybe. I thought it, I, then we get like the actual like opening where Anthony was like, it's you gotta classic. pay, you gotta pay, pay attention. It is a class. classic opening. And I noticed when he, when they're going through this opening Let me see scene, if I can recite it. I, no, this, no, we're not going to waste people's time. Oh God. Okay. He's saying this, all this stuff. Patrick Bain. Like I live in the American Gardens building. He's like saying all this stuff and he's going through his skincare routine and everything like that. And I was, I have a, several I bones. I in taking care of myself. I have several bones to pick. When he's in the shower and he's talking about like his shower routine, the things he's doing does not match like the movements he's doing. He goes for a face, he's talking about face wash and he pulls it up into his hair. I said, that is not how you do that. Okay. And then he's putting on a mask. I was like, why is he putting on a mask? Because he's wearing a mask. Af- a, like after he's just taken a shower. It's a metaphor. He's Jesus. No. And I'm like, I'm watching this man. And I'm like, weird. Weird. I said, this is a weird guy. This guy is weird. There's an idea of a Patrick Bateman. He's a weird guy. 
And though you can feel and flesh kind of a, gripping he's like yours, a douchebag. Like, I am simply not there. He's a douchebag. And, and you could say, oh, well, he's a sociopath. He just like says anything. No, he's a douchebag because he's a sociopath. He doesn't care about anybody else. He says it flat out like in his narratives. He's like, I, he's, well, what does he, he says it in the narratives. And then he actually tells his fiance that he's just like, I just want to fit in. You know, he's so hyper focused on fitting in, being part of the culture, being part of the crowd that he is almost obsessive. Well, over he's it. like out to dinner with his girlfriend and then the other guy and the girl he's having an affair with. And he's like, I, he doesn't even like his girlfriend. He doesn't like people. Play, he played says by it. his um, Reese Witherspoon. And he says, I'm th- pretty sure my fiance is having an affair with this guy and then i'm having an affair with this other girl and we're all just having affairs and being with who we want to be and at that point i'm like if this if your fiance is happier with this other guy and you're happier with this other girl why are you with the people you're with other than social status it i think that's it i i i think it is social status Patrick Bateman is a sociopath who is so obsessed with his own social status that he goes wild. But it doesn't even seem like that he's very popular. He's not. He's not. People don't seem to like him. They think he's a dork. Yeah. (laughs) They say it, you know. There, There is no, like, subtlety in the dialogue here or the monologues. Bateman admits he's a sociopath. Bateman admits that what he's doing is wrong and he should feel bad, but he's not. He has a tendency to do this and he like badly wants to be punished for it but him getting away with all of this is like not good enough for him and i think it is social status like we get to that scene and i'm skipping around i i I don't know if this is a movie where we can go scene by scene but there's that scene where we are introduced to paul allen uh jared leto's character hey uh, albert stram how you doing bud you know, he's like very fake and they start comparing um, all the business cards and Bateman is like losing his shit because people have better business cards than he does because it's a social thing. It's a social status move. Bateman wants to be the top dog. He wants to be the top guy in the social ladder, but he's having such a difficult time doing it. He doesn't have the best business cards. He admits that Paul Allen uh, has a better apartment than he is. He admits that somebody has, has a slightly better haircut than he is. Uh, he admits that he can't get a reservation at Dorcia, you know, while Paul Allen can. Or allegedly. Paul, Paul Allen says he can. Yeah, he says he can. Everyone says they can get into Dorcia. I haven't seen anyone in there. But then Patrick lies about Dorcia to the one girl. He's like, we're going to Dorcia, babe. And but he lies when she's completely inebriated so that she tells everyone they went to Dorcia. Yep. And he has that social boost. Mm-hmm. It's this it's a guy that is deeply, deeply obsessed with social status, but also is combating his own sociopathic and psychopathic tendencies. He's an interesting character study of this guy, you know, Um so where where did we leave off before we started skipping around? We were talking I wasn't about skipping around. I'm literally going in order. They have a conversation at dinner. Oh, and then they start talking about social issues and politics at this dinner. Yeah, and he wants to like solve world hunger like, and do all this. What the biggest issue is is solving world hunger, stopping injustice, returning to moral values. And he says all this stuff acting like he so gives a shit about social issues. But on 
on a deeper level, it's all of these people trying to talk about politics and trying to talk about social issues. Like they understand it and care about it, but they truly do not. Like what is uh, Justin Thoreau's character is like, isn't, isn't like uh, the issue in Sri Lanka, like a better thing. Like aren't people dying over there? You know, Mm -hmm. he tries to like, act like he knows what's going on in Sri Lanka but he definitely does not know what's going on and I think that's where the the aspect of comedy comes in where it's like you can 100% identify that these characters are just making it up as they go along and are are trying so very hard to fit in even though they don't and Bateman's included in that mm-hmm. so anyway um Oh, I mentioned there's this cool shot of when Patrick is in the car. He's in a taxi cab. He calls the one dude's wife that he's having an affair with, the girl that's on the Xanax and everything. He calls her to go to Dorcia. He dr- like She's all drugged up, and he's like, we're going to Dorcia. And they're in the cab, and it's like they shoot the, the shot through the windshield of the cab where the divider is in the middle between the driver and the back seat. And Courtney's face is very much clear in one side and Patrick's is very much um, blurred on the other side, kind of giving us this indication of like, he's just not with us. You know, he's not uh, he's not on the same level of humanity as other people are. And I thought that was kind of a cool directorial choice in that shot. We have this other before that even happens. We have he goes like he's walking home Mm. and he walking home and he like says hello to this woman and the next thing we know he's yelling he's he's trying to get his sheets he's yelling at the um dry cleaners dry cleaners wanting to get blood out of his sheets and he says it's cranberry juice and the woman who comes in and recognizes him's like i don't know that's cranberry juice like yeah sorry kaido is barking if you can't hear him in the back he is going crazy somebody's probably walking across the street right now or maybe my package is here i don't know um anyway so we're introduced to paul allen who we kind of talked about and there's some confusion that paul allen has like there's this running uh, occurrence that happens in this movie where nobody can recognize one another nobody knows who anybody is so they act like they're all buddy buddy with everybody but nobody knows each other's names uh they're like he's like paul allen gets me confused with this dickhead marcus halberstram Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Jared Leto's character keeps calling him Halberstram and like uh, uh, Bateman makes reservations under the name Marcus Halberstram and it confuses the detectives later on when they're like he mentions that he was at dinner with a Marcus Halberstram but I feel like he got confused with somebody else or like it's throwing people off because they're acting like they care about one another and they're acting like they know one another. But in reality, they they care so little about one another that they don't even know each other's names and they don't even recognize each other. Um, Another thing I noticed about this movie is that this man watches an obscene amount of pornography. Oh, just casually. Casually watching pornography all the time. Because he's doing his stomach crunches. Um, And this is where I said, I turned to Anthony, I said, I don't like this. I think this is bad. It's it's an unsettling movie. It's, It's definitely an uncomfortable film to watch. But it's like, it's so weird. It's such a weird movie. And I told Brie when we started watching, I'm like, I don't know if you'll like this one because it's just so weird. And I remember it being very weird. Um, 
in and the book is then weird. he kills a, a bunch hum- a bunch of people a human man and a dog oh, uh yeah the homeless guy yeah he goes well, up he to, makes a game out no of it he almost. goes up to the homeless man you think he's gonna be like nice he's like do you need money do you need food and then he goes well why don't you get a job why don't you get a job and i'm like he's like i had a job and it's like Oh my God, this man doesn't understand. It's like, you're never going to get a job with that attitude. I'm like, this man doesn't understand homelessness. No, Which, he does understand. He's fucking with him. He's no, messing with no, this No, I think it's his utter, because he doesn't have human emotions, he doesn't comp- quite comprehend homelessness. I took it as he was deliberately messing with this guy. No, I took it as he just doesn't understand and that could be. I love that this movie has so many different interpretations of how Patrick sees the world. You know, like does he understand homelessness? Is he is he does he just get a job withdrawn from human emotions I think, so much? Because I think about I'm, I hate to compare it to Republicans, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, go for it. Um, Republicans are like, well, if this is the Reagan, era. well, if poor people just got a job, then <laughs> then they cake. then they would have money. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but like what kind of you want them to have money they need a good job they need a pay that's more than like 15 dollars an hour more 20 25 dollars an hour or you're just not working but hard it's enough, like you know but they're get, they're working a job and they're working a full-time job and they only make 15 dollars an hour they're or even 10 dollars an hour they're below minimum wage well you're just not working hard enough it's like what do i need to do like but this is this is the movie takes place in the the reagan era this is reaganomics at work (laughs) what i would say is the worst president we have ever had i don't know about that he's bad no he's like he's like he's definitely kicking it with satan down in the (laughs) down with hitler and all that i think that uh every president is horrible in their own right because you have to be you have to be patrick bateman to have that job you know like you have to be a sociopath to make those decisions but Man, yeah, Reagan was bad. I'm trying to think of... And Jackson, I want to say, was def... Uh, yeah, worse. Worse. Because, okay, like... Morally worse. Well, I think Jackson and um, Reagan would probably be friends. I would agree. They're both terrible human beings. Both rotting in hell for all eternity. But that's the conversation they have about Reagan is, like, is Reagan just this like old guy who's like friendly on the outside and like horrible on the yes. inside. But like there, then there's that history thing of like, wasn't Nancy Reagan kind of like the brains of the operation a little bit? Or there was that story that Nancy was the one who pushed Ronald Reagan to get in the politics and really wanted her hand in the cookie jar. You know, I don't know. Who am I to say? I wasn't alive in the eighties. Well, so then we get now finally we get to when Patrick asks that one guy to dinner and they go Hey to, Paul. And they go to like a weird like seedy like restaurant. Yeah. That's like, it's like an, an empty right re- like empty. that nobody would recognize them at. And then they're like they go back to Patrick's um house after and the guy's like, dude, why do you have like newspaper all on the ground? He he's like, trash. He's like like super duper drunk to a point where like and Patrick does this deliberately so that he could, you know, get him yeah, where he wants all, him. Yeah, because all his furniture is covered in drop cloths. And then there's newspaper on the ground. And he's in a raincoat. You like Huey Lewis in the news? And then he takes an axe and cuts off his 
They drop this his head. hip to be square, a song so catchy that most people don't listen to the lyrics, but they should. <laughs> I, I, it's like a classic scene. It's a classic then, horror film then scene. Then he does probably one of the... the Try mo- getting a reservation smart- at Dorsey now. The smartest thing. So he packs him up, puts him in a duffel, takes him to his own home before he dumps him, right? Takes him to his own home, packs a suitcase with a suit... And like some toiletries, leaves a message saying, I'm going to London for a couple days. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> and then, then dumps the body. Yeah. Where? We don't know. Well, he, doesn't he say like Paul Allen's body is like rotting in a bathtub somewhere? Like dissolving in a bathtub? Yeah. Um, But then Patrick has like an inner monologue and he says, I wrote down the line as he says, the mask of sanity is slipping. Like, this is a guy who is, like, slowly getting worse as we progress throughout this movie. And he talks about it. He's like, I feel like my nighttime activities are slipping into my regular life in the daytime. And it's because we find out he's been probably doing this for a long time. He's been picking up prostitutes and escorts and murdering them at his apartment. But then he starts have letting it bleed into his personal life where he kills a colleague you know somebody who he deeply resents in his line of work and his career because this is a guy that is probably better than patrick bateman is impeding upon bateman's ability to climb up that social ladder and this is the only time that he does this that he kills somebody that is like close to him yeah and he kind of feels okay about it until he doesn't doesn't care until a detective comes but he he does he doesn't care about paul allen he cares about am i gonna get caught yeah he doesn't he has no remorse yes so a detective comes snooping around and this detective is played by willem dafoe and uh what who i would think would be better chosen as the psycho (laughs) better american psycho (laughs) looks Um, like it and I, th- I wrote, he just murdering out there, this man, Patrick um, Bateman. Patrick Bateman. Yeah. And the detective's like not accusing him of anything yet. But, but saying, he's doing that detective But he's thing. doing, he's like, Patrick Bateman knows so much about this man. It's un- Bateman's un- going into like unusual weird detail. amount of information, like where he went to college, where he went to his undergrad, where like all this like personal information. That he was in a club where he did cocaine and... like. It's like detail you do not need to tell this detective upon your first meeting with him when it's just preliminary questions about like, what do you, like, did you know Paul Allen basically is, is the question. And you can tell that the detective is like, he does that detective thing where it's like, he's got a sneaking suspicion about Bateman, but he's being friendly with Patrick so that he can continue to. Yeah. And he's like, pry. oh, I, what I want to do in a week from now, let's get some lunch. And you could tell me where you were. Or he, put, he pulls out the Huey Lewis in the news CDs. Like, I just picked this up. He's like, "You do you like this kind of music? And Bateman's like, I don't really like music. But every time Patrick is like going into one of his like murderous rampages, he goes on these long introspective rants on interpreting whether it's Huey Lewis or Phil Collins, Whitney Houston. He dissects music he loves music um well this guy uh he he just be murdering out there he picks up um a prostitute and, at a, at and a then gets i feel him, like we don't even have to like be detailed here no, it's just him murdering he, he murders a bunch, a bunch of escorts making them do 
hor- horribly vulgar things and filming each other them, and traumatizing them. Yeah, and he traumatizes this one woman more than once. She escapes the first time with her life. The second time, she is not so lucky. And we get to this like. But and, and I wrote this down, too, is like throughout the entire movie, and I've mentioned this many times before in this podcast, is like he's so obvious to people. Like, it's so obvious that he's murdering people. He's not hiding it at all. He's openly telling people, like, I have an instinct to go on a homicidal rampage on a massive scale. And he's saying, like, Paul Allen's dissolving in a bathtub in upstate. Um, Or he's, you know, he says things like that. But these people just flat out ignore him or laugh at him. Yeah. And okay, as he's devolving. There's a scene where he's with all his friends and they're at they're comparing business cards again. Oh, I love it. And that one guy that's a lo- that he's having an affair like with that his, loser Lewis, I think. Yeah, is his name. that they're having he's having an affair with his fiance has like a really nice business card. He follows him to the bathroom. He's like he's yeah. de- he's devolving into where like he's about to like murder, murder this, this guy, guy in plain sight yep. in the bathroom in the middle of the day. And he doesn't, but he puts his hands around his neck. And then we find out this man's is gay and he has a thing for Patrick. And it, it, I think that's, that, that's how like, he preserves himself. I think that's how he survived. Who, Patrick? No, the the guy. He came on to Patrick, then thus oh, yeah. throwing Patrick off and being like, what? Like, well, that, And then Patrick takes a step back and he's like kind of composes himself and he's like, I'm just getting away with all of this. Like in any other situation, if Patrick would have put his hands around somebody's throat in the way that he did to Lewis, then they would have been like, Patrick, what the fuck are you doing? And he probably would have killed that person. Mm -hmm. But I think Patrick takes a step back and he's like, I just keep getting away with it. And I think that's like a recurring theme in the movie because towards the end, when he has that big, like crazy uh, climax to the movie that we'll get into later, he has this monologue of like i want to be punished like i'm upset that i'm not being held accountable for the things that i'm doing me getting away with it is just making it worse you know like he's honest with himself in more words than than what i said but like i'm paraphrasing but he says something along the lines of that where he's like basically saying i so want to get caught and be punished for what i'm doing but i can't you know and then we have, he continues to devolve. He kills. Oh, he doesn't kill his secretary. And no, but he kills another woman after this and puts her head in the fridge. Yeah, he just like opens the fridge and the woman's head's in there. Um, He invites his secretary over. Because he's probably going to kill her. Yeah, because he wants to kill her. And he offers her ice cream. They have like this whole talk. He's about to like nail gun her head. And, and then he she just gets, does no, she gets a he gets a call. Oh yeah, and so it kind of like snaps him out of it, and she's like, "I guess I should go," because there's her his fiance, Re- played by Reese Witherspoon, is on just like baby talking him on the phone. And she's like, "I should probably go. I shouldn't get involved with men." And he's like, "Yeah, I think it's best if you go before." He's like, "If you stay, I fear that I'm gonna hurt you." And it's that one. I think it's the I one think of he the says, only I won't be able moment, to control myself. Not the I'm the only hurt moment you. in the movie where we see some kind of humanity in Patrick Bateman, where he controls himself. But then after he controls himself, he goes, he goes crazy. He goes complete. He goes on a killing spree. He almost puts a cat into a ATM well, machine. No, wait. So when he lets Jean, the secretary, go, 
it's the one moment where he has this like human moment in the movie where he's just like, I need to compose myself. I need to control myself. And we, I, I was starting to think upon this reviewing, I'm like, is he like a true sociopath or does he have some sort of like emotion towards people? Because he cared enough about Gene to be like, no, you need to go right now before I'm not able to compose myself. So I don't know. I think that was a really interesting scene in the movie. Like if we really want to psychoanalyze and dissect Patrick Bateman, it's like, is he truly the American psychopath or is, does he have some sort of show of remorse and uh, uh, like caring towards somebody in his life, his secretary. But um, after this, he and the detective go out to lunch and Patrick like gets his alibis mixed up. And he's like starting to the detective starting to catch on to the lie, you know, um, which is that ever followed up on? No, they never I, followed up on the detective like, thing. No, because the detective goes with like, oh, you must have just forgotten. Like you, your friend said that you were with them. You have an alibi. I f- but I, I told you when we were watching, I'm like, well, everybody else is kind of ignoring Patrick, laughing at him, not paying attention to him. The detective kind of is the only one paying attention. But even the detective gives up after he has an alibi. Yeah. Because he's just assuming that everyone's getting everyone confused with one another. It's like, well, you said Marcus Halberstram was here. Marcus Halberstram says he's hanging out with you. But Patrick, like, definitely wasn't hanging out with Marcus Halberstram. So, like, all of this is getting muddled and it's messing up this detective's detective work because, again... Nobody cares enough about one another to actually remember who people are. That's true. <laughs> um, then he goes on the killing spree. And then he goes on the killing. He kills the escorts. He breaks up with uh, his fiance Evelyn. Yeah. And the one the scene where he's just like, "You're just not terribly important to me." The <laughs> <So>, fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, if somebody just said that to you, like somebody that you've known for years is just says, looks at you very seriously, goes, "You're not terribly important to me." Well, he was devolving. Yes, he's devolving. And then he admits to Evelyn, like, I'm going to go on a murderous rampage. She's not listening to him. And then he says, I have to return some videotapes. He keeps saying that throughout the entire movie. I was returning videotapes. Someone always, uh, when we were in the fraternity, we had uh, American Psycho Pledge. And every time he left the house... And somebody asked him where he was going. He had to respond with, I, I need to return some videotapes. <laughs> it's it's uh, such a weird like thing to say to somebody. I have to go return some videotapes. Anyway. Um, oh, so now we have this like climactic scene where he goes crazy downtown. Yeah. So he gets chased by police. Well, and- first he sees the you said he sees the ATM that says feed me a stray cat. And this is where I think he's all imagining this in his head. The book goes wild in this sequence because, like, he starts seeing crazy stuff. He sees, like, a park bench come to life. Well, I just don't see how a couple of shots to the police cars makes him blow up. Well, yeah, and then there's that one, like, little thing that he does where he, like, looks at the gun all confused. Like, did I do that? (laughs) Like, how does a gun do that? So I do think it kind of toes the line a little bit between is he imagining this? Is he dreaming it? Or did he actually do this stuff? And is he just getting away with it? And he gets on. He gets. He kills back to his so office. So many people in that sequence. And he calls his, um, 
his lawyer his lawyer and here's where i'm thinking he's imagining this and going crazy because he started eating people's brains he admits that well he doesn't do it on camera but he admits he's like well he's like i even ate some of them yeah human like brain matter will make you go crazy i did not know that is that is that accurate yeah i believe so i believe i read that hallucinogenic no it's like it's like poison poison yeah it like can it gives you like it's not like neurotic i forget what it's called tendencies it's i forget i don't have my phone with me because i put it away so i wouldn't get distracted do you want me to look it up yeah what um what am i looking eating up here? brain oh god human, I'm get, I'm eating get, human brain fbi'd here your fbi agent's like what um, is he talking about? what does eating human brain human brain do to you i'm gonna get fbi'd here <laughs> um kuru okay i'm looking at madeline plus Kuru is a disease of the nervous system. It's a very rare disease caused by infectious protein found in contaminated human brain tissue. Um, Kuru is found among people from New Guinea who practiced a form of cannibalism where they ate brains of dead people as part of a funeralistic ritual um, similar to uh, Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Similar disease appears in cows as bovine spongiform. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Also called mad cow disease. Yeah, it's like a form of mad, mad cow, mm-hmm. but mad human. Yeah, disease. Interesting. Makes you go crazy. So maybe he was. Maybe he was. I go- don't know. Like my maybe perspective he, keeps changing. Maybe he on this movie. actually did kill some people, but in consuming their brain matter made him go crazy. Made him in go that one crazy. Moment. Well, he's imagining things in the book. I don't know. Um. He confessed to all these murders on the phone. With I'm glad his. you caught that. I would never have picked that up. Um, if, he, and he I don't know if that was the intention. I don't know. He co- he confesses to all this murders, but like nothing happens. But then like, in the morning. He goes on the next morning and he's like sweaty and crazy and like worried. And he's checking. He, like, go- he goes to Paul Allen's apartment where he's been murdering people. And there's like so many dead bodies and there's blood everywhere. And the walls are painted with blood. And it's a repainted apartment, like refurnished. It's renovated. And he's there's like... There's no way he could have been killing people there. Or they were... The realtor in, was covering it like, up just because overnight? she wanted to sell. I don't know. It's It doesn't make sense. My theory was because the way she interacts with him where she catches him like, why are you here? There was no ad in the paper. I think you need to leave now. It's like a really weird interaction that she has with Bateman and it leads me to maybe believe that the realty company or something covered it up because they didn't want to lose money. You know, if we're going along with this idea of like everybody in this movie is acting selfishly, independently, doesn't care about anybody else, then it would make sense that a realty company would cover all of that stuff up because they didn't want to lose their business. It would make sense. So that's where my mind went upon this reviewing of this movie. Because when I watched it for the first time, I initially thought Bateman's going crazy. He's making it up. He never actually did anything. But now I'm kind of seeing it as, well, maybe he is doing it. People just aren't noticing or they're covering it up. Well, he even talks to his lawyer the next day. And his, the lawyer mistakes him for somebody else. And it's like... Call, keeps calling him Davis. Yeah, he's like, what are you talking about? That was a funny joke you made, Davis. Bateman would never do anything. He's a loser. 
like yeah. stuff like that and he's like no like i'm patrick bateman i killed other people he's like it's so not i killed funny. paul allen he's like i just had lunch with paul allen like two days ago and th- so it makes it like patrick bateman loses his mind even more and he's like i don't even know what i did i don't know if i did anything and that's where i left off i said i don't think he did anything but it could also play into the idea of like they just don't recognize one another yeah so I, I it leaves it way up to interpretation and I'm it makes me happy that we're like both on the opposite side of the fence here where it's like I definitely think he did it and he's just not getting caught for it and I don't think he did anything I think, think he's, he's just crazy. crazy but that that whole thing with like the mad cow disease in humans from eating contaminated brain tissue I don't know that maybe changes things for me a little bit like I don't know if that's something that the writer intended or if that is just like a happenstance that he mentioned that and it relates to having, you know, delusions. I don't know. Delusions of grandeur. But it's it's interesting. And man, I didn't know that this movie would make my brain hurt. My brain. My brain hurts. Okay. Um, I'm done with my analysis of this movie. Yeah. I mean, you didn't like it, but you don't like anything we watch. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's a lie. Magnolia? Horrible. Oh. Poop. Yeah, I didn't like Magnolia there, but it's okay. Magnolia. Boogie Nights? It was okay. Yeah. Um, Billy Madison? It was okay. Save it for the reviewies. Save it for the reviewies. Catch the reviewies later on. Listen, we've been to- I've been toying with the idea of with Brie, I mentioned it to her today of transitioning this podcast into a full on horror movie podcast. That's what we do anyway. Scream view. Or I said the reboot. <laughs> that wouldn't make sense though. Like if we put it on like Spotify or Apple Podcasts as reboot. reboot podcast. The reboot. <laughs> but Scream View but like the the E R the R E capitalized and Scream, like review, Scream View. I think that might work. We'll have to make, we'll it, have to really we'll have meditate to make it a, on this. We'll have to make it a poll and put it out for our viewers. Yeah, we'll get one, one result. <laughs> All four of you out there, you get to pick. Anyway, um, I enjoy the movie. It doesn't make my list. It's I, a thinker. I thought it's it was a deeply uncomfortable not, movie. I thought it was not the worst movie I've ever seen. This looks at me <laughs> in Magnolia. <laughs> so it gets one. Oh, brother. <laughs> How many oh brothers does Magnolia get? Twelve. Oh brother, one. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Um, I I don't think I've watched a movie on the review podcast that I disliked. I'm trying to think of like everything we've watched, and you did not like Magnolia. You're a liar. I know. I don't like Magnolia. Magnolia is down there with movies that I've disliked the most. Halloween Ends is. A very, very close contender for... That's a caca movie. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. That's a caca movie. I was too nice to that movie on on our podcast. It was a caca movie. I was too generous to that movie. Because we recorded that podcast a day after I saw the movie. So I haven't given it a sufficient amount of time to digest. And now that I've had, you know, a month to digest it, gosh, that movie is absolute hot garbage. And all the people that are defending it, you are super pretentious and protective of your Halloween franchise that you cannot distinguish 
what is good storytelling and character development from what is bad storytelling and character development. Sorry, David Gordon Green. Loved your first two Halloween movies. That last one, though, P.U. Stinker. Anyway, American <laughs> Psycho. This has been the review podcast. Oh, I- no, we're not done. We got to do, 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 do the thing. The thing. Come on. Dance. Okay. You can follow us on on Instagram at review underscore pod. You can email us at reviewpodcast1 at gmail.com. You can. This was a requested episode from my students. Yeah. So you better like it. And I. Tisk on. Uh, 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 Fooey on you students even though you're seniors in high school that you have, are watching this very graphic movie there's so much pornography holy in this. moly i don't want you watching this I saw christian bale's butt i mean it's a good i didn't one. hate it but <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one but i think that you shouldn't watch any movie like this until you're married so no movies like this till you're married got it got it got it good great good. now pass your um, ap test um do not follow us on Twitter because Twitter's dead. Yeah, I don't care about it anymore. Um, you could. How can they find you? If you want to find me, you have you, to return some videotapes. <laughs> you must put a can to an ATM machine, yeah. and then out pops me. There you go. All right, let's wrap this thing up. We will be back next week. What movie? Are, Gremlins. Gremlins. Yay! I I'm gonna love it. I'm I love me my Gremlins. I also like Gremlins. Yeah. I, uh, what is his name? Gizmo the Magwai. He's yeah. adorable. He's going to make my favorite. Kaido. My favorite character is the girl, the the cross dressing one. That's in Gremlins too, I believe. Is it? Yeah, I don't think that there's any like crazy kooky Gremlins in Gremlins one, I unless believe- I'm forgetting. Maybe you're forgetting. Because Gremlins 2 is the one where they just go balls to the wall and like they had the flasher gremlin, they have like the spider gremlin, they have like all these different types of gremlins, including the like Jessica Rabbit-esque gremlin. But I don't know, I guess we'll have to rewatch it and see. It's worth a review. It is worth a review. So we'll be back next week with Gremlins, continuing on with our slow transition into Christmas time and Christmas spirit. So uh, even though this movie was not a winter movie. No, I don't know why we. What the hell? This movie. I thought that this this was on a list of like movies that take place in the winter time. I I read I it want, on a list. Somewhere. I wonder if you're getting American Psycho mixed up with, um, the other American movie. Beauty. No, no, the one where they're at the the house in the winter time, and oh, here's Shawnee. That the one. Shining. Yes, I wonder if you're getting the, the Shining. Shining would have been a good one to watch. But no, I've read American Psycho was on a list from like Collider or something. Well, they lied. They did lie. This is, it takes place in a cold uh, New York, but not snowy or Christmassy. So I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. I was misrepresented. Oh, wait, no. There was a scene where they were at a party and it was Christmas. Oh, there was. There was one Christmas party scene. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Christmas party scene. Done done okay now actu- you can actual, take that to the bank actual kind of christmas movie coming up in gremlins next week we'll be back next week for the review podcast come and join us and rate us that five stars anywhere you can get your podcast whether Apple, that be google spotify go all that's them. all of them <laughs> anyway all the podcast all, all, the, all, the, all, the, all the podcast anyway i'm anthony and i'm brie and this is the review podcast we'll see you next week the review podcast yeah